Praise God from whom all blessings flow. This is Brother William Kantz with a lesson from 2 Samuel. The chapter is 12. The verses are 1 through 25. 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 25. From the New King James, the text reads, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, and one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die, and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Then then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will make your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel before the son. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. 
And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. And he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet, so he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Thank God for your holy word. We pray that we listen and apply it to our lives. Here we have two sons, a lesson in accountability. Our lesson text reminds us that God is aware of our sin even when we think no one else knows or cares. God knows. God cares. The prophet Nathan was sent by God to confront David about his sin with Bathsheba and the subsequent cover-up. Nathan asked in verse 9, Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Actions have consequences. Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, Do not be deceived. God is not, not mocked, for whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. 
but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And notice Romans 2, verse 6. He, God, will render to each one according to his deeds. King David learned about the consequences of sin firsthand in our lesson. Although he tried to conceal his adulterous encounter with Bathsheba, including both arranging the death of her husband Uriah in 2 Samuel 1, verses 14 through 25, and subsequently taking her as his wife in verse 27, David could not hide sin from God. Again, therefore, the Lord sent Nathan to David. Notice in verse 1 that the prophet Nathan's task was to awaken David out of his sinful state. The Lord sent Nathan. David's sins, despite his subsequent heartfelt repentance, and that's important, had lasting consequences. Because of his repentance and because of God's grace and mercy, and because God saw in David an a operative who could do those things that God would want done, God was not done with David. What about you and what about me? Does God see in us those attributes that uh, contribute to his kingdom? God had promised to establish David's throne forever. 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 16. God gave David and Bathsheba another son, Solomon. His name is derived from the Hebrew shalom, or peace. Solomon would eventually reign in David's place. The Lord told David in 1 Chronicles 22 and verse 9, Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all of his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. Again, Nathan came to David with a parable about a rich man and a poor man and the exploitive actions of the rich man. The poor man had a ewe lamb that he brought up in his house like a member of the household. The poor man was attached to the little lamb they had. The rich man had many lambs, yet he was unwilling to take from his own flock to provide sustenance for a stranger passing through the region. Here again we have the theme of hospitality. Nathan tells David that the rich man took the lamb from the poor man, slaughtered it, and had it prepared as a meal for the sojourner. Verse 5, 
David's anger was greatly aroused against the man and declares that the man shall surely die. After David's angry condemnation of the rich man, Nathan looks to the king and said, You are the man. Verse 7. Nathan delivers prosecutorial accusations against the king. David had acted ungrateful for Jehovah's blessings, despised the word of Jehovah in that he committed adultery with Uriah's wife, committed murder by smiting Uriah with the sword of the people of Ammon. The king here is equated to base idolaters. Notice in Jeremiah 7 and verse 9, Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? David was guilty of an ungrateful heart. An ungrateful heart. Notice Proverbs 13, verse 10 in the ESV. By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. 2 Chronicles 32, verse 25 in the ESV. But Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was proud. Therefore wrath came upon him and Judah and Jerusalem. David was guilty of despising the word of Jehovah, which is an act of treating God's law as though they were meaningless and worthless. Those who have done so have illustrated disrespect toward Jehovah God. Notice Numbers chapter 15, verse 31. Because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment, that person shall be completely cut off. His guilt shall be upon him. Those who despise the word of Jehovah have the spirit of a false teacher. 2 Peter 2 and verse 10. David was guilty of murder. To murder shows disdain for God, for God's, God created life, and also for God's law. Numbers 35, verse 16. But if he strikes him with an iron implement so that he dies, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. 1 John 3 and verse 15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. David was an adulterer, Proverbs 6.32. Those who commit adultery illustrate the spirit void of understanding. Jeremiah said that such an act was horrible, Jeremiah 23 and verse 14. This was a sin punishable, by death, Leviticus 20, verse 10. The man who commits adultery shall surely be put to death. Notice verse 10 in our study. 
Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house. And verse 11. Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. David's gross errors were compounded by the fact that he seemed to forget that Jehovah God is omniscient. He's all-knowing and omnipresent. He's everywhere. Therefore, there is nothing that escapes him. Notice Jeremiah 23, verse 23 through 25. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so that I do not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? The consequences of David's sins would be significant. David speaks of God's retribution being according to David's sin for his adultery, the violation of his wives, and for his murder, he would have to witness the commission of murder in his own family. The death of Amnon by Absalom in 2 Samuel 13, verse 29. Absalom would be killed, 2 Samuel 18, verse 14. Adonijah was executed, 1 Kings 2, verses 24 and 25. Verse 13 in our lesson. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. David prays earnestly and greatly laments his sin. David wrote the 51st Psalm in response to his sin being put away. Notice verses 8 and 9 in the NIV read, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. And verses 12 and 13, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Verse 14 in our lesson. However, the child shall surely die. David was devastated by the news. Jehovah smites the child born of David and Bathsheba in adultery with a sickness. Nathan had already told David that the child would die, yet the king prays, fasts, and lays on the ground in anguish. Verse 16. He pleaded with God for the child to no avail. David asked God to relent in his pronouncement of death. He asked for mercy for the innocent. Notice Genesis 18, verse 25. Here we have Abraham interceding for the righteous inhabitants of the sinful cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Far be it for you to do such a thing, to put righteousness to death with the wicked. Far be that for you. 
Shall not the judge of all earth do what is just? Hmm. The elders of the household tried to bring David to his senses, but he would not move. He would neither eat nor drink. God would not turn from his divine purpose of making an example to all Israel and the world regarding such sinful actions. Within seven days, the child died. David's sin brought suffering on the entire nation as civil war raged. Sin works that way. Not only does it affect the offender, but its repercussions have a wide arc of consequences, unintended consequences. After the child of adultery dies, David arose from the earth, washed himself, changed clothes, and ate. His household was puzzled by his sudden change of behavior. David said to them, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead. I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. These words indicate a deep personal feeling for the child. Moreover, these words indicate a belief in the continued spiritual existence of the child, even that David would recognize and know in the future. Like Job, who believed in life beyond the grave, Job 14, verse 14 through 15, if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my hard service I will wait till my change comes. You shall call and I will answer you. You shall desire the work of your hands. In Psalm 17:15, David anticipates, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. In Psalm 16, 11, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The account of David's repentance shows that he was truly a man after God's own heart. He listened to the rebuke of God delivered through Nathan the prophet, something neither Saul nor most of the later Davidic dynasty were, would ever willingly do. David's repentance stands as a model for us to imitate. There is peace that comes when we know that we are loved by God. God loves us too much to let us stay in our sin. God loved us so much that he allowed his own son to die for our sins. We must learn that the consequences of sin remain and that these consequences leave unintended collateral damage to ourselves and others. When David repented of his sin and was forgiven by God, he returned to his calling, his vocation as king and champion of Israel. He had been slack in his responsibilities since being embroiled in his sin. God would not only forgive David, he would once again bless the king with a child and bestow his love upon him. David has another son with Bathsheba and names him Solomon. Verse 24b and 25. 
Bathsheba bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him, and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Both names indicate God's forgiveness and confidence in David's lineage. Solomon is the fulfillment of the promise God made to David in 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 13. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That the prophet Nathan was sent by the Lord to convey God's love for Solomon is important. He provides a special name for the son. When he first appears before David, Nathan had announced God's discipline on David. Nathan's presence frames the narrative with the transition from sin to God's forgiveness and mercy demonstrated. David's sins did not define his life. What about us? This lesson is yours. Thank you so much for being a part of this lesson. David and Solomon. Uh, we will continue uh, with this account on next time. Uh, let's go to God in prayer. Almighty and everlasting Father God, we come to you in all humility, thanking you for your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom, by whom, and through whom we may find our way back to you, Father, if it be your will. We thank you, Father, for the church that he established where men, women, boys, and girls can work out their soul salvation with fear and trembling. Father, we pray for those who do not know you yet. We pray for space and time that they may come to know you before it's eternally too late. We pray for the zeal, for your wisdom, for your direction to go out to the world and bring souls to you, for that is our great commission. Father, we pray for all within the sound of my voice. Lift us up where we're torn down. Give us those things we stand in need of this day to continue to be called your children and for us to be able to call you our Father. Father God, we, we pray for the sick, for the shut-in, for the destitute, for the unhoused among us. Help all who are in need this day, those who are in mourning, those who are uh, sick on their bed of affliction, those who are going in or out of coming out of surgeries and different procedures. Father God, help them, uh, build them up. Uh, help us all, Father, to be better stewards of your world, to be better fathers, sons, mothers, daughters. Help us all, Father, to continue on that path of righteousness that you would have us to do. We pray that everything we have said and done this day goes down to your glory. These and all other blessings and favors we ask in the most gracious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, church, 
Let us reach out in Christian love this week to lift someone up. Let us do those things that God would have us to do. Let us repent when we are in a sinful condition. Grow closer to God. Uh, These and and all other things this week help us to do. Uh, Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Count it all joy. Bye for now.